When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, Dan Lobby here from the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, and I want to tell you about Cleveland.com's Football Insider. It is our exclusive content for Browns fans, and you can find it at cleveland.com slash browns. Uh, you sign up, you can check out the free trial. It's $3.99 a month. After that, you get texts from Mary Kay Cabot, and then every day in your inbox, you get a newsletter from us. It includes all of our Browns content, but also at the very top of the newsletter, an exclusive piece of content that we don't put any place else on the website. Sometimes it's a video, sometimes it's a, a deep dive into some stats, sometimes it's some predictions for uh, for an upcoming game. Uh, Mary Kay writes it, Scott Patsko writes it, uh, Ellis Williams, Doug Maurice, I write it. Uh, you'll get all that from us, so check that out. Football Insider is at cleveland.com slash browns. Here's the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Hey everybody, this is Dan Lobby. This is Mary Kay Cabot. Scott Tatsko. Ellis Williams here. And it is the Orange and Brown Talk podcast by week edition. It is Wednesday. We are in Berea. Uh, we just heard from John Dorsey, but before we get to all of that, we're going to do five headlines here right off the top. So first of all, Baker Mayfield not practicing this week. He had the hip injury on Sunday against the Seahawks. He came back and finished that game, didn't miss a, a series at all. Uh, but the Browns being cautious with Baker Mayfield this week in their bye week practices. Yeah, and like you said, this feels precautionary. It's the bye week, no sense of urgency here. Uh, give Baker the rest he's earned. Um, I feel as if if there was a game this Sunday, there'd be no doubt Baker would be out there. He obviously finished the game last Sunday, so precautionary stuff here, but still Baker not practicing. Headline number two, Rashard Higgins. Still a little bit of a mystery. They, uh, Freddie Kitchens said on Monday that they never got quite got to the package that they wanted with Rashard Higgins. Then Tuesday he said that he felt like maybe Rashard Higgins could have used another week off. So we still don't really know what's happening with Rashard Higgins other than he was active but did not play on Sunday. Yeah, and plus uh, Rashard made note that uh, he felt he could play. He felt he could not only play the last couple weeks but also make a difference. So I don't know if it was miscommunication or differing expectations, but something seems to be amiss. Um, I think the bottom line here is that Higgins, I think we all expect to see him against the Patriots, and at that point they're moving forward, and you know this, this will be something we don't have to talk about anymore. Headline number three, uh, it means we, bye week means we hear from the GM, but it also means we hear from position coaches. That meant Ryan Lindley, uh, the quarterback's coach, and he said, Mary Kay, you had a headline on this yesterday, defenses have a book on Baker Mayfield, and, and that's sort of what we're seeing right now. Yeah, you know, I think that's the major problem with Baker Mayfield this season. I think we are spending a lot of time talking about a lot of different things. What's wrong with Odell? What's wrong with the offensive line? What's wrong with the offense? I think it's simple. I think defenses have a book on Baker Mayfield this year. They're making life difficult on him, and he just has to learn to read defenses, adjust, and figure out how to operate efficiently uh, when teams are trying to attack him in certain ways. 
Our fourth headline, we're going to talk about Trent Williams, the Redskins left tackle, who is not playing for the Washington Redskins. Uh, Some rumors popped up that maybe he could end up with the Cleveland Browns. That caught fire on the internet on Tuesday. Uh, Nothing to that yet, but hearing from John Dorsey today, it sure sounded like maybe there could be some interest there. Yeah, and this seems like today John Dorsey came out and Mary Kay alluded to it earlier that there seems to be, like, he's putting a little bit of pressure mm-hmm. on Bruce Allen to get this deal done. Uh, John Dorsey wasn't afraid to hint at it, even even took the questions really head-on here, no no ducking. Mm-hmm. So there seems to be real interest here uh, on the Browns' end, but as he said, exiting, it takes two to tango. Mm-hmm. And our he- our last headline here off the top, Austin Corbett is no longer a Cleveland Brown. He was traded to the Rams on Tuesday, a 2021 fifth-round pick in return for the former number 33 overall pick. So the Austin Corbett era ends without him starting any games, without him taking many offensive snaps for this football team. Uh, he's now a member of the Rams. Yeah, you can look at this as you, you, you traded away the number 33 overall pick uh, for a fifth-round pick, or you can look at it as you traded away a guy who's played uh, barely a dozen snaps last season and hasn't really been part of the team this year for a fifth-round pick. Mm-hmm. Look at it either way. I think a lot of Browns fans are just upset that he never really became what everybody thought he might become, didn't become the left tackle of the future, didn't become the right guard of the future. He's the backup center that is not going to be part of the future. So now he's with the Rams. All right, those are our five headlines off the top. Now let's dig into some some topics here, and let's go back to Trent Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to be a topic until he either ends up someplace else, whether it's here or another team, or the trade deadline passes at the end of October. Uh, Trent Williams is going to be a topic as long as this offensive line struggles, and they're going to struggle in a couple weeks when they play New England. Um, the question here is, does Trent Williams solve this offensive line problem? And I think the question on top of that even is the offensive line the problem here? Those are two separate topics, I guess. But, you know, Ellis, you, you were pretty strong on this a few weeks ago that you think that John Dorsey has to make this move. He has to go get Trent Williams. Yeah, it feels as if the Browns are in a, a win-now mode when you make moves like acquiring Odell Beckham. You know, much has been made about playing on a rookie deal. Those That's the best time to capitalize on a window, a, a talented rookie quarterback on the cheapest part of his contract. Uh Look, it's not like the offensive line has been the only problem on this team, but if this team has aspirations of playing playoff football, which in a division that is very much still winnable, they're going to go up against some elite pass rushers. And in their schedule to get there, we're, they're going to see you know the likes of the Patriots, Jamie Collins, uh, Von Miller still on the schedule. Pass rushers like that, we already saw what Nick Bosa did to this team. Average offensive lines can get the job done, especially at home. But against premier rushers, this team struggles, and I believe Trent Williams solves that. I think that right now it's a little bit of a dicey situation with Trent Williams because no one really knows what's kind of going through his head. What we do know is that he's sitting out. Uh, the The Redskins don't want to trade him. They said they will not trade him till January. We've always we've seen those things change, right? That the Giants were not going to trade Odell until they traded Odell. So that part doesn't phase me. People will lie all the way up until the end. Although that's not their intent, uh, I think that the, the deal could get done. The problem is with Trent Williams, he's trying to dictate his future right now, and a lot of players are doing that. It's starting to be the sort of new wave. Mm-hmm. They're sitting out, they're giving up tons of money, and they're trying to dictate their situation. So if he's sitting out all this time, 
he's probably going to want to go into a situation that he feels is really good for him. Is he going to want to go to a 2-4 and four football team right now where the quarterback is not playing well? You know what I mean? Like, I, it's I, better I, than the Redskins, though. No, it is better than, <laughs> it is better than the Redskins. Um, but I, I think it, it's a lot more complicated than just saying, here's a seven-time Pro Bowler that you can plug in, and all of a sudden you're going to have your left tackle problem solved. You also have to factor in a few other things. He's 31 years old. If you make this trade, you're basically taking him on. You're going to have to give up a lot. You're going to have to give up at least a first-round pick and more. You're basically saying, uh, committing to him for the next probably four years, right? Which is fine. I think left tackle, offensive linemen can usually play until they're 34, 35, 36, maybe even longer than that. So he probably has four good years left in him. But the other thing is, and we talked to John Dorsey about this a little bit today, is the money. He's going to want a new contract with a lot of guaranteed money, and they do have uh, some money issues coming up. they got to pay Miles. They've got to pay Baker. They're going to have to pay, pay Denzel. Uh, so they, they have to be concerned about these contracts that are in the 12 14 15 $16 million range. So these are some things that you have to think about. But right now, I don't think John Dorsey cares. If he's talking <laughs> to Bruce Allen, he wants Trent Williams. <coughs> Yeah, there's there's the balance that they have to come up with, and Dorsey talked a little bit about that today. You know, you have this quarterback that you really like, that you believe is a franchise quarterback on this rookie deal. So he's cheap. Um, he's not going to be cheap a few years from now. You know, eventually you're going to have to pick up that that fifth year option, and that's going to be expensive. And then you're going to have to re-sign him, and that by that time quarterbacks are going to be making forty million dollars a year. So you've got that. Miles Garrett is going to be, that's the second highest paid position in the league. Cornerback, right there, right up there with defensive end. Those are the three highest paid positions in the league, really. Um, you're going to have to deal with that down the road. The other thing I think you have to think about is, you know, I looked it up. Miami, uh, or I'm sorry, Houston gave Miami two first-round picks. Now, the Browns just traded a first-round pick for Odell Beckham, and, and we're seeing what the Rams are doing, and they've given up first-round picks for the foreseeable future and haven't had a first-round pick. In a little, I mean, there was a tweet yesterday that laid out how many first-round picks the Rams have given up in building their roster, which is fine. They're a Super Bowl roster, but you have to account for that, too. As this team gets more expensive, you want more draft picks because that's how you can work around some of these contracts like the Saints have done. you got mm-hmm. a bunch of big contracts, now you draft a bunch of good players, and they're cheap. So... There's a lot of factors to kind of consider in all of this. I don't think anybody argues that uh, this wouldn't be an upgrade over uh, Greg Robinson, but you could also argue that the bigger problems are on the right side of the line. You know, who you, you replace your left tackle, does Greg Robinson solve anything on the other side of the line? Can he, does he move over to the right tackle? Does he do a better job than Chris Hubbard? And then you still have Eric Cush there who's been not playing at a very consistent level uh, this year at all. So, for a 31-year-old uh, tackle who, if you're going to resign him, what, he'd be going into his year when he's 33, I believe. He's got a year and a half still left on his deal. So, mm-hmm. you know, Tunsil got that uh, got that haul for, for the Dolphins because of his age. He's like yeah, 25. he's 26 or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I, I look at Trent Williams as more of a short-term uh, replacement, and then to get him you have to – get rid of your assets to make a long-term replacement. So I, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's why John Dorsey gets paid big money. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll throw this out there. Um, we, we talk about the Tunsil trade. 
look at Houston now, all of a sudden. All of a sudden, Deshaun Watson is staying upright, and he's an MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, if, if you believe that you can be that good in the next two years, and I think the Browns do believe that, then, then maybe it's a chance you have to take. Yeah, I guess they just have to dig in and try to figure out, you know, what really is kind of going on with him right now. Uh, and, you know, would he want to be here? And you have to start talking money with his agent, and you have to start talking about that extension because that becomes part of it. When you make a trade like that, uh, you're, you're talking about doing a big guaranteed money extension pretty pretty soon after he arrives on the doorstep. Um, what is wrong? You know, what, what did he have removed from his head? You know, like, I'm not really sure what that was all about. Yeah. And, you know, the, the Redskins charged that he... They made appointments for him that he didn't show up for. I would want to know more about all of that. You don't want to get someone here, and then you find out that, you know, it's sort of a damaged goods type of situation. You know, I think you would want to know, if you're going to commit a first-round pick and multi-multi-millions of dollars, that this is going to be a really, really sound and solid move. Yeah, and this would all land on John Dorsey, of course, because... Like you said, you want to know the type of guy you're getting when he comes into this building with with no mysteries. You know, he hasn't played football now. Um, what we're going on three months mm-hmm. of being away from the team. Uh, you hear the right things. I'm sure that the guy's working out and this and that. But not showing up to the office is a bit a lot different. It takes a lot more self discipline to stay in shape, especially football shape, than showing up. So there are a lot of variables there. You would really have to assume Dorsey's doing his homework because his name is all over this. This would be his move, of course, mm-hmm. and you're paying a premium dollar for left acquisition due to the Tunsil trade, really resetting the trade market, if you will, there. And to address the right side of the line, I do think there's a built-in trickle-down effect here where you can entertain uh, moving Greg Robinson to right tackle. Then you know Chris Hubbard has experience playing guard, moving mm-hmm. him to right guard. They, have some, uh, they would have some wiggle room there, but again – is nearing midway through the season the best time to be experimenting with your offensive line? Right. That's tough to call, but if the product right if it improves your product that, than you have right now, then it'd be worth it. And one more thing on this topic, I, I still think that the offensive line is going to look a lot better when Baker Mayfield gets a little bit more comfortable this season with what he's doing and works out whatever issues he's having with what teams have dug into and found about him in terms of in, including things like flushing him to the right and uh, confusing him with uh, pre-snap versus post-snap looks, disguising coverages. Uh, you know, I just think the offensive line is taking a little bit more heat uh, than it should for a struggling second-year quarterback. And on that same point, then, I want to ask you guys this question. Is the left tackle of the Browns' future in this building right now? Is Greg Robinson going to be that guy going forward, or does Williams, Mary Kay, like you said, give them four years of stability, or are they going to be looking in the draft for a left tackle? Because that's really the thing. You know, you can keep going week to week with, with this and saying, you know, Baker mm-hmm. will have more trust in this unit, but... You know, left tackle is one of those positions that solidifying it just gives you a peace of mind yeah. week in and week out. Yeah, I don't think they are viewing Greg Robinson as no. their left tackle of the future. And this was an opportunity for him to try to be that. Exactly. That's what this contract was all about. They gave him a one-year deal. It was a prove-it deal. And he was supposed to come in here in the first eight games of the season, and the plan was for him to prove that he deserved to be the left tackle of the future for the next four, five, six, yeah. seven, eight years, and to get an, a big multi-year contract. And I think 
John Dorsey sat up there today and basically told us he's not the guy. Mm-hmm. Couldn't have been more clear about that. He, I mean, without saying it, he just said yeah, repeatedly he needs to be more consistent, right. and that's football jargon for this guy isn't getting it done. Right. Yeah. And let's not forget that John Dorsey, I believe his first draft pick in Kansas City yep. was a left tackle. Yep. Yeah. It was a pretty bad draft. But uh, he took a left hand. That was the Barkevius Mingo year, I believe, for the Browns. Yeah. Uh, so uh, his first pick was a left tackle, and so he's not afraid to do that high in the draft. Uh, he tends to like to find his skill players later in the draft anyway. And this team has so much else that you can use a first-round pick on a left tackle if you can cobble things together. Yep. And I'll say this, against Seattle, I thought the line was okay. I mean, obviously Seattle doesn't have much of a pass rush, and their defense isn't very good. But I thought Baker was protected in that game, and we saw how much better he looks when, when he has protection, how much better the offense looks when, when he has protection. I'll raise this point real quickly, too. I think bringing in a guy like Trent Williams also ends the excuse game for this team. Um, whenever Baker's struggling, you can say, okay, well, the offensive line isn't mm-hmm. playing well. Or Freddie Kitchen's first-year head coach, oh, well, it's not fair to put this all mm-hmm. in Kitchens. You know, he has these great plays, but they don't have the time to do it. Bringing in Trent Williams would really end the excuse game for this team. You know, you'd get a fair assessment of Baker Mayfield and a fair assessment of Freddie Kitchens going forward. If an, a lineman isn't brought in, we're going to keep doing the shuffling with the whole line for the whole year. And then by season's end, the excuse of does Baker not have the time or not and is this a fair evaluation of Freddie are still going to linger. So I just think solidifying that position would bring clarity to this entire organization. The other thing about it is it's hard to – to find a good left tackle in the draft. And because, you know, you think you have one, and he turns out to be a horrible bust. So this is an opportunity to go to to acquire a proven seven-time Pro Bowler who you do think will still be at the peak of his game over the next three or four years when you are actually trying to make that Super Bowl run. All right, let's, uh, uh, Joe Thomas, where have you gone? <laughs> 10,363 straight snaps, and the Browns haven't found a, a left tackle yep. since he retired. Um, so let's talk quickly about John Dorsey's press conference. He's sort of, as we've seen since he got here, has been the master of saying some stuff, but spending a lot of these press conferences not saying much. Uh, so let's talk about some takeaways from uh, from Dorsey's press conference outside of Trent Williams and the offensive line. Um, Scott, I mean, what did you take away from this? When he first did his opening statement, I thought like he was out there trying to talk Browns fans off the ledge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was very he, – this is the guy who said don't believe the hype, you know, before the season, and now it's like, well, things aren't as, as bad as they seem mm-hmm. because, you know, we got ten games left and – five division games, and we're undefeated in the division. Um, so it was a lot of that. Um, the only thing he was really critical of was Greg Robinson and Chris Hubbard mm-hmm. saying they had to be more consistent. And I think he did get his message across about how things have to change now, but I think overall he, he really kept it positive, which, I mean, you could take that one of two ways. As, as a guy who wants to make sure people don't start clocking out in the locker room that, you know, mm-hmm. he doesn't, they don't think he's going to be making wholesale changes. And also maybe, maybe let his boss know that he doesn't need to make any snap judgments right now, yeah. you know, because uh, yeah. he's been known to do that in the past. So, but yeah, overall I think it was very positive. I think there's some truth in what he was saying up there uh, based on the fact that the Browns right now are in the Bermuda Triangle of their schedule. They are in the horrible part of their schedule right now. Yeah. The part that the Ravens haven't headed really into yet. The Ravens still have that 
part of their schedule, and some of their games, as we've been talking about, are harder than uh, the Browns' common games because they have to play the Texans. Yeah. Uh, they have to play the Jets with Sam Darnold, which you look at that game now up there in, in New York, and you have to wonder, would the Browns have won that game had Sam Darnold played? Would have been a different football game for sure. Uh, but I think that what John Dorsey's trying to say, and he can't really say fully, is the fact that that last seven games, they still, they're still in the thick of it right now, but that last seven games, I mean, come on, you, you're going to beat the Bengals twice, you're going <laughs> to beat the Dolphins. Those are three mm. games that you're pretty sure you're going to win. Uh, then, if you pick yourself up by the bootstraps, you should be able to at least win one of the Pittsburgh games. Uh, you know, you, you, you would hope that, that Baker could go out the, to Arizona and beat Kyler Murray, Murray although that's there's no definite guarantees there, but... They're heading into the easier part of their schedule. Right now they're in a four out of five on the road situation. They're After this, they're going into a four out of five at home, although home hasn't been friendly yeah, this season. But, um, but it should get easier, and Kareem Hunt is coming back at the right. same time. So And, and Antonio Callaway is going to get his you know head, let me say, out of the sand. <laughs> we don't want to get the explicit tag on our, on our podcast just yet. Um, so... I do think that it was a little bit more than rhetoric for him to sit up there and say, hey, we have 10 games left, there's a lot of football to go. Yeah, and his valid points were not just 10 games, but five division games. They've yeah. played three NFC games now, Yeah, I think, if, if I count that right. Yeah, three NFC right. games. Yep. So, you know, those games obviously don't mean, mean as much, but they have five division games, two of them against Cincinnati, two of them against Pittsburgh, who's two and four as well. Um and, and then that one against Baltimore, who just made a trade to bring in a cornerback. But, um, you know, we'll see kind of what happens when those two teams get back together at the end of December. So there's a lot of football left in front of them. And the other thing, not just those division games, but they have Buffalo on the schedule. That's a huge game because Buffalo's, you know, assuming New England just keeps rolling, Buffalo's not going to win the AFC East. So that's one of your wild card opponents if you don't win the division. So that's a huge game. Of course, Pittsburgh is a huge game for the division uh, stuff. But. You know, they've got the best part of their schedule ahead of them, not just because it's a little easier, but just because of the teams they play. These games mean so much more than, like, when you play the Rams or or the Seahawks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one thing that stood out to me, not surprising, but could be something to watch if this season doesn't go where Dorsey's projecting it. Uh, He was fully endorsing this offensive staff, you know, led by Coach Freddie Kitchens, Todd Munkin, and the position coaches, Um, and... That full endorsement is, again, expected, but things can change very quickly if this thing doesn't go where he forecasts. You know, As you guys have mentioned, this team let go of some position coaches that got the best out of Baker Mayfield last year mm-hmm. and a, a Baker Mayfield we've yet to see this year. Right. So those comments will be intriguing to come back to, again, if things don't play out because that full ringing endorsement can change real quickly um, when things fall apart and all of a sudden the the ringing endorsement of a guy like Todd Munkin, Freddie Kitchens, um, he'll have some some answers mm-hmm. for us. He'll need to because things went bad when he was all in on a few guys here. I, I think another big takeaway from, from this press conference uh, was the fact that he is 100% all in, no doubts in his mind whatsoever that Baker Mayfield is still yeah. his quarterback of the future, that is his guy. I mean, he had, you know, little things to say, as we mentioned about, you know, Greg Robertson, Chris Hubbard. Uh, You could tell that he wasn't happy with those guys. But when it came to Baker, it was like, 
100% convinced. Still love him. Love his grit. His teammates love him. I mean, every single thing was pro Baker. They have not lost one bit of faith in him. And I think that's another reason why they're like, hey, let's go out and get this guy a left tackle and protect him. Do everything we possibly can to, to make Baker be successful. We might have talked about this after Andrew Luck retired, but, mm-hmm. you know, John Dorsey's best friend is in Indianapolis, and look what they've built there by building through those lines. And, mm-hmm. you know, John Dorsey addressed the defensive line this offseason, and you've got to imagine he's looking at what teams are doing now and, and seeing what the Colts have done on that offensive line and how good it's made them with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. Mm-hmm. So now you give a good you give a guy like Baker Mayfield a good offensive line. And the, going back to that Seattle game, facing no pass rush, he looked really good. Mm-hmm. There were some there were some signs of the old Baker in that game. And right. same with the Ravens game. There were a lot of signs of the old Baker. Uh, if you protect him, he, he can do some really good things for you. One of the things that uh, that uh, Dorsey said about the lines, I think both offense and defensive, he says his belief is that they're the most important part. Mm-hmm. But he hasn't really, I think, like, operated that way since he's been in Cleveland. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, what has he done to the offensive line? You know, he... He had to deal with the Joe Thomas retirement, and he right. had time to to prepare for that, and and he ends up with Austin Corbett, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, he had time to figure out who's going to play left tackle. He ended up with an undrafted free agent, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, so I, you you bring in two guys uh, at the end of uh, end of camp this year who really haven't had a huge impact, who we might see more of in the second half of this season. Yeah. I think so. But if you look overall, he has not made a big splash like he has in a lot of the other positions. Um, maybe Trent Williams is, is his big splash. But at this point, he doesn't seem to be living up to, to his belief of the offensive line being a huge deal. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing he is living up to, however, is giving Baker Mayfield every tool needed in the toolbox to mm-hmm. succeed. Right. You know, uh, a guy like Kareem Hunt, you say, oh, this team doesn't have a, a pass-catching running back. Well, Kareem Hunt's going to be back soon, and he was brought in for those purposes, you know. Odell Beckham Jr. speaks for itself. Oh, mm-hmm. well, Jarvis Landry operates well in the slot, but they need a guy who can take the top off and, you know, run the post and take these safeties out of the picture. Well, there's Odell Beckham for you. Mm-hmm. So he's been true to putting these weapons around Baker Mayfield, and that last piece is l- most likely a tackle to solidify this whole line. And then going back to my original point, mm-hmm. there will be no more excuses for this team. This will be the group that either works here in Cleveland or doesn't. You know, I it, it seems as though when they have – uh, when there are defensive guys that can get pressure, when you've got the Nick Bosa's who's playing out of his mind, when you've got the Aaron Donalds, uh, when you have a guy that can wreak havoc on the game and, and really be disruptive, that's when Baker struggles the most. Um, and it's going to be interesting going forward because his next game is going to be against Bill Belichick and you know that defensive, that great defensive mind, and he's going to try to mess Baker up and they lead the NFL with 14 interceptions the Patriots do and you know I think that's when that's when he has struggled when he has had you know just just gets that uh, a really good defensive front that that mixes him up and pressures the heck out of him yeah and the the Patriots have such a good secondary too mm-hmm. I mean they're, they're just good all all yeah. across the board old think, friend Jamie Collins there as well. you think he's gonna be fired up for that game <laughs> Jamie Collins my I goodness I don't know does Jamie Collins get fired up Yes. Okay. <laughs> Jamie Collins is going to be fired up for that. There will be a few people that are going to be fired up for that. I think game. Bill Belichick yeah. still gets fired up when he sees that that brown and orange. Yeah. Or whatever the Browns are wearing Bill nowadays. Belichick, I think I think Bill Belichick can still get himself fired up. I think Josh McDaniels is going to get himself oh, yeah. fired up. I think Danny Shelton is going to get himself <laughs> fired up. Is he still there? 
Yeah, is he yes. still there? Uh, <laughs> I thought he was. Yeah. Danny Shelton. Hey, do I lose you? track of Danny Shelton? <laughs> How do you lose track of Danny Shelton? I know. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I've been teasing this for a little bit, but uh, in, in the coming week, you're going to hear, you're going to be getting a longer edition of this once a week. Uh, it's going to sound really good. Uh, you guys are hopefully going to like it. We're going to you know, put some time in once a week to give you guys, we do the post-game podcast, but we're going to try and give you a nice, lengthy, not quite Buckeye talk long podcast, but uh, give you a good one of these in your podcast app every single week. They're all good, but these middle of the week ones will be really good. Just like the Cleveland Browns, we are all going to dig deep. We are going to reflect over the bye week. (laughs) We're going to come back stronger and better just for you. All right, so stay tuned for that. For Scott, Mary Kay, Ellis, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening.